I really hope that they actually included some sort of audio feedback so that it sounds like one of those really pretentious like bourbon bloggers. So as soon as you drop some whiskey on, it's like, hmm, huh, uh, I've had better. Uh, let me straighten my ascot. <laughs> oh, shots fired, shots fired. Oh. So now we've got two feuds, one with Missouri and one with someone else. With ascots. With with specifically ascots. (laughs) It's a lot of pressure. It's like we've never done a podcast before. High Proof Creative. I love those guys. Yeah, if you don't know how to uh, get people to listen to your podcast. You should use High Proof Creative. I've actually been talking to High Proof Creative a lot because uh, we're potentially going to work out with them on the publication side as well. And man, there is so much. I have no idea what the fuck we're doing. I'm really, really <laughs> appreciate it. Like just the conversations of them saying smart things. It's kind of like, oh, all right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm dumb. Thank you, Karen. I know. Karen was so nice. The one time I met her, she was like, do you mind if I take a look at the website and work on it? I'm like, mind? Yeah. Why would I mind? Yeah. God, please. <laughs> it's a bag that's of the hot. nicest way. Yeah, that's yeah. the nicest way to say that you guys have no idea what you're doing and your website offends me personally. She's like, do you guys understand what the interweb is? That's pretty Listen, awesome. I was born and raised in the 1880s. <laughs> the 1880s? <laughs> did, you, did you guys know that if you put a website, if you just save it in Word, it doesn't go out to the internet? Like, who knew? Yeah. We've just been sharing a Google Doc. <laughs> <laughs> but it looked real nice. Yeah. Right. But, but I mean, seriously, though, High Proof Creative, she's, she was all about fixing it and she gets it done. I'm glad to hear that uh, you're learning how little we know, too, Brian. Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's a problem for everyone. And we can thank High Proof Creative for fixing all of our problems. I like how we just did an ad. Let's, uh, let's call it, let me grunt us up. Ugh. Final yeah. thoughts. done let's just just finish this episode there that was the best content we're gonna have it's Uh, kind of a high point now it's gonna be a hot mess from this point out not saying it wasn't a hot mess before which it was anyway let's do the drop this is the still talking podcast our reverent industry podcast with colton zeno and myself brian christensen today we are talking about stuff and things and i actually already forgot what our topic was what the hell was it zeno silent season yeah, silent season. That's great. But first, news. I feel like we need an audio segue into the news. You guys got anything? We have three of those downloads. I'll bet they have a news yeah. thing. Royalty-free <laughs> downloads. I've been telling you guys. Go on there. Nice. For listener we- information, this is our porn site that we all frequent. Yeah. We have free downloads on it. It's royalty free, though. So it's, it's, it's real important because I hate to pay royalties on my pornography. Yeah, you own that content, motherfucker. Yeah. Does anyone actually say pornography as a full word anymore? Is that that sounds like an old person? Well, they 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 did when I was growing up. So. <laughs> Wait, who the idea are that they? any of us were growing up? Is yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, well, how did your parents raise you? I just envisioned your mom or dad saying, now, Colton, pornography. I don't know why they're using that voice, but it is an awful vision that's in my head right now. Wait, are they showing it to me? (laughs) No. (laughs) I mean, maybe. 
So if you're a first time listener, you have no idea what this podcast is and we're several minutes in, but you're about to find out. We cover distilling news information and occasionally education. So the first part on the news is a couple legal issues on a state level. North Carolina's governor has signed a bill allowing tasting spirits in ABC stores. Governor Roy Cooper signed into law today new legislation allowing North Carolina consumers the opportunity to sample distilled spirits produced at tasting events held in state ABC stores. So win for uh, North Carolina. Good job, guys. Wait, is North Carolina a controlled state? Sorry. Is that Wait, did you just ask if North Carolina was a state? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you. Let's yeah, I think it came in right around time of alaska is that right i don't know i'm not good with geography <laughs> history any of those no i said is it a controlled state uh considering yes, ABC very much stores, so yes yeah well i mean i just learned that from what you said the abc stores i did not know that well and they but, had uh, this i don't know if they still have it they had this crazy system where they had to put an orange sticker on every bottle to show that it had paid the state tax so you'd walk into like a really nice bar and the everything was just stickers and i think it had to be on the front of the bottle too and they've now either taken it away or moved the sticker at least can go on the back or something yeah now they just tattoo your child it's weird yeah um yeah but does the child get to taste too (laughs) sure yeah so a little more detail on the specific law that has been enacted uh North Carolina consumers will be able to sample 0.25 fluid ounces of up to four different spirits Purdue products made available at pre-planned spirits tasting events. The law goes into effect September 1st of 2019. Wait, pre-planned. So you can't just walk in. No. So it doesn't look like this is something where you can just walk in, point to a bottle and say, I want to taste it. It has to be a pre-planned tasting event, which I assume that individual distilleries will probably have to coordinate with the actual ABC stores. I'm speculating a little more. I wonder if it's like, it's like a, um, so they also have this law for private clubs. I think if it's a bar that serves spirits and doesn't, doesn't have a full kitchen or doesn't make 50% or more of its revenue in food, you have to be a private member and pay like a dollar and, and sign up. Right. And I imagine, you know, that's probably a law that they found a loophole in order to do that. And I imagine they're going to find this. Like if you book a tour two minutes in advance, it's now a pre-planned event. Yeah. And, and but you I, can do I, a tasting. I think pre-planned event, it's kind of... <laughs> I mean, I don't walk into a place in New Orleans and be like, hey, want to try some vodka? I, I mean, I don't see why you don't. Are you, uh, saying, are you saying you don't ask? As I was saying it, <laughs> as I was saying it, I'm like, this is a really good idea. Yeah, this, this is going to be awesome. Uh, um, so just so you know, this brings up the total of states that allow some form of tasting spirits to 47. Oh, who are the outliers? I have no idea, but we got to find those three and see if we can. Let's wildly speculate. Uh, So wait, Kansas, (laughs) Puerto Rico. Damn, not a state. Uh, Yeah, I'm done. Um, So they cap it volumetrically. Is there any other thing like how many times can, you know, can a distillery? No specific information on that. I just have a table at the ABC store. (laughs) My my event is every every day. day. 
<laughs> they're just hustling it, right? <laughs> I think that's actually kind of genius. That's probably one of the loopholes they did not look into. Loopholes. So speaking of individual state laws, here's a new update as well. Uh, Missouri bourbon whiskey law. So essentially, Missouri bourbon whiskey is officially recognized as a new unique style of whiskey based on a bill introduced in Missouri. So what that makes was, it unique? Uh, Friday, August 2nd. So I'm looking at the details there for that. I need to know. I know, I know. It's, there's some weird ones too. I actually skimmed this and there's a couple weird stipulations. Uh, but You're essentially, not giving me the news House, fast enough. <laughs> shut up, God. According to House Bill 266, signed on Thursday, July 11th, any whiskey labeled as Missouri bourbon must not only meet the federal standards for bourbon, but also be mashed, fermented, distilled, aged, and bottled in the state, aged in oak barrels, manufactured in the state, and beginning January 1st, 2020, made with corn exclusively grown in the state. The law goes into effect August 28th. There you go. I that think that's a whole shitty. lot of stipulations. Who do you think uh, really pushed that bill? <laughs> There's only a couple <laughs> uh, tiny cooperages in the state of Missouri. So. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, There's definitely some lobbying that went on there. There's not, I, I mean, everything you said to me does not provide a unique consumer experience. So why would I really care if it says Missouri? Bourbon? What do you mean? They got the terroir of Missouri oak corn. There you go. Yeah, because nobody else uses that. Because <laughs> <laughs> the Ozarks don't have any trees. <laughs> and we've just witnessed Zeno starting a fight with Missouri. This is going to be an awesome feud. <laughs> I'll take Missouri on. Where the f- I don't even know where Missouri is. Yeah, it's near North Carolina, I think. Yeah, I bet they're one of those states that don't allow tastings. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Listen, right. I didn't really know where, where Mississippi was either, and I drive through it all the time. <laughs> all right, all right. The last bit of news here. Uh, this is from our good friends at Discus talking more about tariffs and trade wars, as we learned a little bit when we were over, all together over in D.C. U.S. Remember, great. U.S. God, now I can't speak, you jackass. Retaliatory tariffs could cost up to 78,000 jobs in the U.S. beverage, alcohol, and hospitality sectors. I almost said hospice. That is a different uh, discus and a lot of larger producers and some smaller and mid-tier producers are pretty damn worried about this tariff situation. So um, we talked about it when we were over there in DC with some of the reps and senators, but uh, yeah, as, as you guys both heard, I'm sure too, this is an audience of one and there's only so much we can do. We're kind of just waiting for one individual to decide that trade wars might be bad. But when we were there, I don't know what your guys experience was when you brought this, particular subject up but everyone was like him mm, han wishy-washy didn't want to touch it with a 10-foot on the tariff specifically yeah yeah i mean there's like brian said there's nothing anyone can really do except right. for 
one person. So, so just as a point of clarification for listener, if you weren't aware, we recently just got back the three of us and a whole group. I think it was close to 200 people plus staffers uh, all went to DC for a federal excise tax lobbying event. And part of that event, in addition to extend the federal excise tax reduction for distilled spirits and other beverage, alcoholic beverages as well, was also to talk briefly about tariffs and the trade war. And that was something kind of spearheaded by Discus, obviously, because their members are impacted a great deal more than most craft producers. Uh, yeah, but I mean, yeah, spirits, spirit exports are down 19% just since they started. That's a which big, is obviously a big number. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So that's 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 a big deal that they're pushing on. But yeah, Zeno's right. In my, and we all got to go to different. Uh, we talked to staffers. We talked to some representatives, some senators, and I I agree. Every experience I had when that was brought up by the discus people was essentially, yeah, we agree, but there's nothing we can do about it because it's all the reins are held by Trump. Trump's the one who decides what's going on. Well, and you know, I got even they even distanced themselves more from it without saying it's just the president. They would be like. Well, there's a lot of moving parts and it's a complicated scenario. Right. Like that's the kind of talk that they used where, you know, circle talking <laughs> where they don't really give you an answer. Yeah. But they don't, and they definitely don't commit to anything. So like usual on this podcast, we have absolutely no information regarding tariffs that we can share with you. You're welcome. Well, no, you did share information. You shared how much it's hurting us <laughs> and the potential to hurt us, which is important information and there's something that we need to do about it. And if it's, you know, think about that when you go out and vote in 2020, then that's what it is. I'm now making this a political podcast <laughs> and I'm telling you how to vote. Like, can you can you vote in your state, Zeno? Is that allowed? I mean, I really wish that I wasn't even a state. <laughs> Zeno votes in North Carolina only. <laughs> Soon to be Missouri. <laughs> All right, so that's the majority of the news. The only other thing I have in my docket is this stupid-ass article Colton sent me, and I think you just wanted me to read the headline was, Artificial Tongue Could Taste Whiskey to Make Sure It Isn't Counterfeit. So thank you for that. Yes, that's all. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, not, I'm not giving any more information besides artificial tongue. I'll just let Zeno fantasize about what that means. There's a science tongue out there, and it's drinking yeah. whiskey. It means it's a gas chromatography <laughs> with a mass spec detector. Uh, yeah, but do you think that they tongue? shaped it like a tongue? <laughs> God, I really hope they did. <laughs> <laughs> they just do little little eyedroppers of whiskey down on it. <laughs> the Agilent series technology has come a long way, so maybe they have. I really hope that they actually included some sort of audio feedback so that it sounds like one of those really pretentious like bourbon bloggers. So as soon as you drop some whiskey on, it's like, hmm, huh, uh, I've had better. Uh, let me straighten my ascot. <laughs> oh, shots fired. Shots fired. Oh. So now we've got two feuds, one with Missouri and one with someone else. That, with ascots. With, with specifically ascots. <laughs> oh, I love it. All right. So, uh, Colton, you had one last piece of news as well. I did. That was a question. And this one's depressing as hell, so share with us. Is it depressing? Oh, Oh, yeah. This is the letter to the editor. I guess it's a few weeks old now but uh our friends at cannon beach distillery out in oregon basically wrote a letter saying that the olc or olcc uh is so domineering in their life that they're gonna have to shut down 
That's another controlled state, folks. Yeah. And, and I specific- say folks, I'm just talking to one person. Yeah. <laughs> just that one person who forgot to turn off the podcast and it's just auto-playing. <laughs> it, was, it was just us. Uh, no, so essentially, specifically, the, uh, the letter to the editor basically just said that the taxes are too damn high, right? I mean, they're having to pay way too much in per bottle fees to the OLCC. And it's just, what they say? Yeah, uh, I mean, what, how- it's something like 35% or... Obviously, it was was 33%. I think he's, he actually gave a number. It was over $600,000 over the course of, I forget how many years, but they're a pretty small distillery and it's a significant amount of money for them to, you know, they can't reinvest. It's just not worth it to them anymore. So, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but the article pretty much said that he either has to sell or he's going to close it down because at this point it's just not worth it. Well, I mean, it's kind of, I think, in, uh, and it must have been in L.A. where I met, I think it was Molly Troop. She's in Yeah, she's Portland, in Portland, right? Yeah, Molly's off. Yeah, and she was telling me about what, how many like proof gallons they can actually store on site in Portland City proper. <laughs> uh, and that, that's, and yeah, it, that's separate from the OLCC. That's Portland. It's states, separate. But still, it it's, is a problem. Right. It's separate. But, I mean, we're talking about a similar scenario in the same geographical region there's right there, there's a connection through like what what are they doing are they exploiting it because they can make money off of it are they exploiting it because they don't want that type of money anymore what's going on how could they not want like it's been such a huge boom to their tourism you know beer wine and spirits they're really singling out spirits because beer and wine have pretty decent laws out there yeah. i think and there's a, there's a couple breweries out there so they must have something yeah. going Call- yeah, but Colorado and Michigan breweries are far better than <laughs> any brewery in Oregon. I said it. I'm shooting. I'm just firing shots. You really are. <laughs> this episode is essentially Zeno pisses off everyone, and I'm kind of delighted by it. <laughs> good. Yeah. So, um, and, and that's a shame. I mean, Cannon Beach, they make some really good product. They have some pretty fantastic rum, if I recall. They've won some awards. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's a small operation. They're good people. And it's just, it's a shame to see that the the high tax rates really are holding them back and we were just talking about before before we hit record too that Washington state has even higher taxes than Oregon and we're seeing pretty much a stagnation in the new distilleries opening in Washington state and we used to have the most distilleries in the country uh, but now we're we're down below I think Washington or, uh, New York California and even Colorado I mean we're pretty much stuck at 80 or so now it's it's pretty rough and a lot of that is not in addition to the federal excise taxes which were really high and hopefully that gets extended but the state taxes can be really fucking brutal it just seems so weird because it, it seems like it's exclusively aimed towards not allowing you to survive as a local business that you have to you have to export to other states right i guess that was the question that i wasn't articulating properly is like what is their motive behind so i'll try and play devil's advocate a little bit because i've had some interaction with the with the organ distillers guild specifically but also the olcc and the organ distillers guild is for the most part the majority of them want to remain a control state because there are a lot of benefits for them compared to say a private privatization. So Washington state, a lot of the distillers took a pretty big hit when it went to privatization because they lost out on some of those benefits that come with a control state. Uh, and that 
that's something they don't want to see happen because they know they could take a pretty big hit for that because their products are basically what guaranteed. Are, what are those benefits? Is it like having bot placement and yes? And, so a lot of it is placement. And... Essentially, you're almost guaranteed to get placement. You get really good analytics on everything you sell within the state. Uh, they share a lot of that. It really helps with a lot of the marketing. You know what's working, what's not. Um, the OLCC is actually fairly responsive in terms of a control state with sharing information and communicating with them. I actually, it's one of the states I actually get their OLCC newsletter just because it's interesting how much they do share and put out there. Um, but as, the as someone who distilled in that state, yeah, I agree. They're, they're, we used to call them a frenemy, yeah. right? <laughs> because they're, that's what they are. But they do allow you to do things too, like you can have the... Uh, remote tasting room there's all these little things but the analytics and what you get from them i've never seen anywhere else yeah it's it's pretty unique and i will say this too olcc is a lot like ttb where they don't want you to go out of business that's they they don't want to put you under they don't want to find you into oblivion they're not the ones putting out a lot of these you know, taxes and fees that's coming from the, you know, the state legislature. So it, that's where all these taxes and fees and incremental things that are killing people. Yes. That money is going towards the OLCC to basically fund warehousing, shipping, all that kind of stuff that they do the analytics, but it's not necessarily the OLCC that is lobbying for that. So I won't, I don't think we should necessarily paint them as the bad guys, but it is a problem on a state level when it comes to such high taxes. And I think that control state is an argument for higher taxes that people use, which I don't know if it's reasonable or not, but it's really hard. I mean, again, you compare it just to beer and wine. It's crazy. Sounds like you couldn't even pay for these analytics if you, you know, if you wanted them elsewhere, right? You're essentially paying, paying the taxes to have them. But if you stopped that, you couldn't, you couldn't go find them elsewhere. Well, the unique thing is too, is that it, it controls everything. Right, because it's a controlled state. Right. That's the way it works. So, for instance, when you know I worked at that tiny little place, and one of our SKUs was a ginger liqueur, I could see how well that did against Canton, right? But I could see all their numbers in intimate detail in the state of Oregon. Yeah. But nonetheless, right? There's a real value. To yeah. That. So if you are starting a small distillery in a state and you want to control your backyard, those are pretty damn invaluable. But you do have to wrestle with the fact that those taxes are going to be really high, which if I recalled, the article specifically highlighted that their tax rate would be what a fifth of the current tax rate they're paying in say Colorado. So that's a pretty significant difference for a small operation. And that in information at some point has diminishing returns, right? Because to your point, Brian, if you start, you're like, okay, but I want to sell in Washington and California and Utah, right? those that doesn't help right. you anymore and don't, don't that only helped you in your back but you're not Washington. paying those taxes you're not paying those taxes yeah, right well, if you're selling in california you're not paying the olcc right right but i'm saying like the value of the taxes that you're paying yeah it's you're, you're devalorizing yeah. it yeah if, now i will say that <laughs> there are or there is a very good company that does analytics in portland i believe we happen to use them. High proof creative. Oh, those people are fantastic. I've heard of them. I would I would are we gonna see how many high proof creative ads we can squeeze in? 
Yeah, so we were talking about organ analytics. Do. I thought we could squeeze it in. <laughs> Good job. Good job, Golden. We are the totally subtlest <laughs> of shills out there. Yeah. <laughs> so, so listener, for some reason, we're going to make a t-shirt. And Colton had this idea that a, a, a freaking caricature, like, because someone wants to wear a caricature <laughs> t-shirt. I guess of us, did. like just but to be Hyper's specific. Creative even offered yeah. that. They even offered that's that. True. Like that's how above and beyond yeah. they go. But like we can do that. We can do caricatures. Uh, then they just sent us a bunch of pictures of stick figures. <laughs> yeah. Except somehow even the stick figures look chubby. So I don't know if that was like a knock against us. Like that was impressive. <laughs> Isn't one of those giant uh, sharpies. <laughs> uh, so listener, this is your opportunity to uh, let us know what you think. We try not to ask you for any direct feedback because we don't really want it because we actually hate to hear what you think of us uh but let us know what you want on a t-shirt we've got a couple ideas but uh we're gonna make the terrible decision of putting out uh t-shirts of this podcast so we can basically offer those horrible horrible keepsakes to you you're welcome yeah i didn't really want to launch the t-shirt via yeah you just did though but i uh, and now it has to have a caricature also I just wanted to talk about uh, uh, the amazing service of high do, uh, do Also, do you love yeah. that this is the type of podcast where we don't want to launch our own podcast things on the podcast? <laughs> I mean, what does that say about our quality of podcast? <laughs> is that we don't really care. <laughs> which, which makes us like the cool kids, right? Is that how it works? Um, I don't know about all We that. sit in the back of podcasting class. That's yeah. Right. Ooh, I thought you were going to stay in the bus. <laughs> like, dude, that's weird. No, wrong reference. Like, don't dude. Rosa Parks this no, shit. Man. They, yeah. Even we have to have that line. So don't drive the bus over that yeah. line, Colton. <laughs> Too late. Yeah. My wife just watched The Black Klansman. She's that's a good up. movie, man. <laughs> it's a great really? movie. It was a great movie. I'm really like, man, I'm like, man, I hate people. That's it? That, that's your, that was your takeaway? <laughs> yeah, I, I, <laughs> before and after the movie <laughs> such an incredibly nuanced criticism that's great you should have been a movie critic okay moving on so let's actually talk about distilling at some point in this podcast uh the uh well no we had uh we had one more bit of news it was uh 60 million dollars oh that's, that's right right tell there's us a more. new craft there's a new craft distillery on the scene <laughs> you guys have never heard of it Blow, blowing it up <laughs> They come from no money whatsoever, just totally ground up. Uh, I believe they're known as uh, Cream Fun Factory. Is that <laughs> the what they're called? Fun Factory. <laughs> yeah. So apparently, off when we weren't recording, Colt was like, oh yeah, I didn't know this was actual news. I've been telling everyone. I'm like, well, where did you hear that from? He's like, well, you. Okay. <laughs> That doesn't mean you should tell everyone about it. See, that's on you, Zeno. Um, you realize that as soon as you you tell Colton, it is news. I'm media now, so I mm-hmm. I need to have that uh, non disclosure <laughs> off the record. Off the record. Um, no, I like uh, I don't disclosure. I don't course. think you can do <laughs> off the record on a recorded podcast. I don't think that's how it works. <laughs> this is off the record. Um, please, yes, listener, please pause and skip forward five minutes. This is yeah. off the record. I mean, it's recorded and the audio is there, but please don't listen to it. Uh, so, you know, Colton, you're like, well, it isn't really news because they kind of already have it. Well, they don't. They have like a tourist attraction 
what they were building here. And that was just, it was like a pot with a column where this is more of the ones that you and I talk about in design are the continuous column with the double. Yeah. That so that's, that's what the small bit of the article I read, it seemed like they were going to move all of the quote unquote small products like bookers and, and, uh, bakers over to the craft distillery. So explain, give a quick synopsis right. of what this is about, guys. So a listener knows what the hell's going on. So so it's a $60 million. They're building it right in the front of Claremont where it is, that's where the tourists, like the bourbon experience is, or that's what it's called. I don't know. Um, American Stillhouse, I think that's what it's called. But they're building it in front of there, but it is for, they are going to do small batch things, like, Technically, Knob Creek's a small batch, too. But uh, they're going to do small batch things there, but it's also where they can trial out new things. So they're building, essentially, a small-scale version of their big, continuous column okay. stills. Do you know how big the stills so, are, the column is? Um, I have an idea of what I read you know, a year and a half ago or a year ago. Uh, I, I didn't read the article. I thought maybe it was in there. But, uh. No, I don't, I don't think it was in the article. Um, it's roughly, a, it's a little bit bigger than what you were talking about for your place. So, oh, so it's two plates instead of one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, a, it's a half of a yeah. Um I don't even know what that looks like. But, yes, but the other element that they're going to build into it, you know, and I, I read that in that article too about doing bookers and bakers and... Yeah. I'm not so certain that they were are going to stick to that because maybe maybe a little blending you, of different facilities. Well, you have a lot of stock built up in a lot of those brands that you're doing a whole new smaller scale still. I don't know that that's really what's the, what's the what's the business reasoning behind this? Is it is it fiscal? Is it marketing? Well, the business it... reasoning behind the business reasoning behind yeah. It, a lot of it has to do with how Cream Fun Factory American Whiskey really makes their money. Is guess what, guys? It's Jim Beam White. And the reason they make that is because it's volume, 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 volume. So anytime you have to run a Knob Creek or a Booker's or a Baker's or a Rye, you're, they're far less efficient and you have to make changes. So if this alleviates some of that because they're going to run some of those things there, great. If they're going to like, oh, we want to tweak this condensing temperature at this point in the process here, and they can run it on a small scale, great. But I just don't know that if really you're going to expect to see they're going to do a lot of that liquid like, I don't think they're just gonna be like, oh, we're going to make bookers here. Like, I mean, it goes against what every other double macro distillery is is doing, which is, you know, these massive expansions, which are hundreds of millions. Right. And these guys, these guys are basically the building a, like, a tiny factory. I'd... Well, here's the other element to it, is that they are partnering somehow with University of Kentucky for a certificate program and I don't know if it's a degree or anything yet, anything like that yet, but they are partnering with them and that's been in the race for a while too. And that wasn't the article, so I can't say that. Um, 
So there is an educational factor to it. And then the third thing that I don't know was in the article, but I know the way marketing got their grubby hands into it at that point was they're going to sell an experience where you come and make, you know, you pay X amount of money and you can make Y amount of spirit. And then you age it there and you made that whiskey there at Jim Beam with people of Jim Beam ilk. Well, so that X amount of money has to be like, 20 to 30 grand like it's not like a a day pass experience at disneyland no i imagine that's more like corporate stuff so like you'll have a corporate entities come in and do that as you know right but people do that in scotland scotland like they do it at brook lot right all the time like that was yeah but at scale those stills are so much smaller than this system right yeah but this thing isn't gonna this thing isn't gonna be as big as it's not like the still at the actual plants. Well, yeah, but even so, so I mean, if, you, if you're saying it's, you know, our mashes are going to be 8,000 gallons. So you got to right. build, you got to do more than that. If it's going to be a bigger still at, at minimum. So put in perspective, how, how big will this facility be? Will it be like a Bardstown bourbon size, Sagamore? Yes. Bigger. Okay. It's more like closer to Bardstown bourbon. Yeah. Got it. Bardstown bourbon. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a good thing. I think that it has to be managed well. And there's a lot that I wish I had something to trial things out on before making changes on the fly if you had to. Right. And, and that kind of process, when I say making changes on the fly, it's relative. Right. Because you have to go through a chain of command like, hey, we got to get in a group and say, we're going to put this condenser in. Call Japan. And it's going to do that. Right. Um, we did call Japan sometimes. About um, other things. I kind, I kind of am bummed about it because I wanted some of that money to be an anaerobic bioreactor, but uh, I think it could be a good thing, and I'm interested to see how it goes. I'm interested to see in their joint venture with the University of Kentucky. And yeah, I dig that. I'm all about education. And Do you think that they'll use exclusively uh, Missouri oak and corn? Oh, fuck you. <laughs> You're on my list now too, yeah. Cole. Uh, the fact that you weren't already on that list is is just I, I'm super funny. I couldn't believe that. Just, just fucking invite yourself to my house in September. <laughs> I do love that you did that, by the way, Cole. <laughs> he did it. Yeah, I, did. I know he did it. Of his, course, he did it. <laughs> no, his lady, like Alyssa, just texted me. She's like, Colton and Deb are going to come in September. I'm like, uh, okay. And that was the extent of the conversation. I feel like you missed an opportunity just to show up. Yeah. yeah. Hey, dude, you can show up. You too can show up. Pretty sure that room is is called the, the Colton and Devin suite. I mean, it is where I do most of my business. Yeah. Knew that was coming. Definitely knew that was, <laughs> like, was going to be. Like taxes yeah. and my budget. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, I think that uh, was mostly news and ads, but they were great ads because I'm telling you, ads, <laughs> you can't you can't get people to find your shit unless you use ads, unless you use high proof creative. Listen, before we had high proof creative, no one could even Google us. Now with the, all the SEO work that they did for us, you can actually find it if you type in stilltalkingpodcast.com. You know what, Colton? You're actually, that's an actual true statement. <laughs> um, 
which is <laughs> really upsetting. true statement. Yeah, like we yeah. we did yeah. not know how to Google, <laughs> and actually that may have just been our fault that we weren't Googling ourselves right. But either way, Karen I kept asking Jeeves, and he just wasn't telling me. <laughs> Jeeves quit a long time ago, man. <laughs> Oh, uh, good stuff, guys. All right. Silent. I was asking my AIM chat room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. We've got to bring that back at the end. Okay. Silent season. Say smart educational things for listeners. Uh, I think we already botched this episode. <laughs> so, um, you say that the, like well, that off, was a surprise. It, <laughs> what is the silent season, Brian? It is the season uh, pop quiz. of. Oh, I was actually going to make Pop some quiz sort of hot really shot. bad Felice Navidad <laughs> song thing. Um, essentially, it's during the summer where distilleries have a slowdown or a shutdown because it's too hot to operate. And that's more historical. But now they just use it as a time to upgrade or renovate facilities or in some cases just take a little bit of time off. So I was actually thinking about this when we when we started or when we decided to talk about this. I think that well, that's usually how it works. Uh, so I think the silent season was always summer because it was you know Kentucky and Tennessee and sort of more southern states. But now with right. with a larger scale craft distilling and in colder areas where the summer is not so bad, but the winter can actually be brutal. There's probably other silent seasons where it's dead of winter and you just you can't even get to the distillery through the you know. 10 feet of snow that's outside your door. Yeah. And there are some, okay. some distillers that operate <laughs> on a seasonal scale. I mean, especially if they're mainly doing like brandies or they're working with key ingredients that only come around and they have to short timeframes to use it, or they're working on a seasonal scale of tourism, you know, so they'll only really operate and work at a time or at least their tasting room will only be open during the, when the tourists aren't there seasons. Fuck tourists. Just kidding. Yeah, fuck tourists. They're awful. Why would you want to talk to them? And then you produce at other times. So it's, yeah, there are different variations on the silent season now. But if you were a tourist, I'm sorry, listener. We did not mean to offend. Yeah. And if you need to, yeah. and if you're looking for tourists, you should use yeah. High Cruise Creative. <laughs> because they will optimize your search That's engine. Right. <laughs> So people can find you in Twitter. As your everyday consumer, um, you should reach out to High Proof Creative and hire them to find you distilleries. I, I'm going to strongly disagree with the cold, too cold. I mean, if you can't get to the distillery, maybe. But, man, when it's cold, it, it's really easy. Well, yeah, but I'm talking about like when it's, you know, literally when there's snowstorms and, and when it's just so dead of winter that even your equipment won't work. Do you know yeah. how winter works? All right. Do I, you, are, like, are you, where are you thinking these people are? Why are are they saying? deep in the mountains of the Rockies? <laughs> they have to like hoof it in snowshoes to the distillery. <laughs> Do you know that this is 2019? Like we have technology. Um, yeah, Ziplines, baby. You I know. Shovels, shovels were invented like 10 years ago. I get it. <laughs> No, and well, it's like in all seriousness, there's like the heat tracing of lines, and there's a lot of freeze prevention things yeah. that you could do. But I will say, at my time at Cream Fun Factory, there were things that froze up where we had to shut down for a small amount of time. But it's very rare. 
that happens. Usually someone's made a mistake. Colton, did you hear that thing where he just validated you yet still tried to make you sound like you're dumb? <laughs> but that said, when it comes to heat, it's just, it's a lot of its efficiency too, where it's like, it's not worth it to be running. And when we first, when I first, I was like, oh yeah, let's talk about silent season because I come from, you know, a cream fun factory, you shut down and that's when all the major maintenance happens. Yeah. And then I came down to New Orleans and it is sweltering hot here. And the relative humidity is 10,000%. So there's a, there's, I think the biggest thing we could say about a silent season for like on the craft side of things is safety should be number one. Yeah. Right. A lot of those places are not climate controlled and it is brutal to work in there. And I think that's kind of what you run into too, right, Colton? It's not just efficiency or lack thereof. It's a lot of it is a safety. Yeah, I'd say 90% of it's safety. Like you said, with technology on the craft scale, we we can get by during the really hot you know, season with our equipment, but it's just, it gets too brutal. I did talk to right. some guys. I think the guys at Few Distillery, he was telling me that they... In the summer, they wear uh, vests that they just pack with ice packs every day. He's like, it's incredibly heavy, but necessary. <laughs> so I just picture these guys walking around like, you know, football players just with uh, the ice packs. <laughs> yeah. That sounds very inefficient. That's crazy. I'd not heard of that before. A lot of it, too, has to do with the particular engineering and the volume or the size of your production too. Right. Right. So a lot of people are using groundwater to condense. Well, that becomes really inefficient when the groundwater gets hot. Right. Or, and I could take that into big scale at cream fun factory. When a lake gets hot, it's really inefficient at condensing. So there are things that you can do, you know, heat exchange to, to counteract that. Uh, but not everyone has that built in. So I, th- I think that, you know, safety, obviously, number one. But I think a close second to me, what I'm dealing with down here, efficiency rates, too. So how long, how long are you guys shutting down for? Because it's, it's hot. It's hot in New Orleans always. It is. And, like, so it's not much. It's really because I had, like, maintenance to do. And then I have the other facility coming up. So... Which what which is climate controlled, so I can do a lot of work down there. Which is funny because that's climate controlled, but all their condensers are on groundwater. Spend spend the money where it makes I sense, am. right? So <laughs> walk me through some of the safety, basically safety valves you have in place for when it gets really hot. You've got employees walking around. Uh, when it hits a certain temperature, do you have it in the like employee handbook? What people do? Do you have it part of the training, or you just basically stop and tell everyone to chill out, take a break? What do you guys do? I have a mandatory 10 minute break every 30 to 45 minutes in the AC. Okay. Yeah. It's in the handbook how we talk about the heat. Yeah. And I mean, it depends on what, it depends on what the job that they're doing is, right? If you're sitting there labeling, that's when I say, all right, every 45 minutes, get up and go into the AC. If you're there mashing and standing up on ladders and lugging bags around and it's, you know, 120 degrees in the distillery, maybe every 15 minutes go stand in the AC. Okay. Yeah. 
If you wanted someone to hit your website every 15 minutes, <laughs> you should probably use Hyperloop Creative. Um, do they have do they have safety they features? Make that happen. I bet they could make them for you. Are the are the websites <laughs> climate controlled? Yeah, yeah that, that's a, a better question than we were prepared <laughs> yeah. for, Brian. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. just the one. Don't worry. It's all downhill from here. Uh, I, it's hard to gauge it, right? Because like heat exhaustion happens quick. And what we do is, I mean, you sweat your ass off in February too. So it, it, it's hard to gauge. You kind of have to... It gets so hot. I mean, a lot of our places are just warehouses that are just giant ovens. Right. And it, it becomes so, the, the temperature that becomes so hot, it's just, I, I can't really tell those guys to be like, all right, you know, go in and mash and work with hot steam. Like, no, I'm not going to have them because they're going to pass out. So Zeno, specifically for you, when it actually comes to the production side with the humidity, is there anything you have to do to compensate for that level of humidity? Does that affect your production at all, either fermentation side or actual distillation side? Fermentation side's fine because I have a great chiller that does the job and I can keep things regulated. But your, des- um, your distillation the way- side, right? Your, your dew point with the... The cooling tower yeah. probably is, well, that's, gets out of control. Well, that's what it, that's what it comes that's what it comes down to is you know I've all the condensing in my system. I inherited a cooling tower, which is great. It's closed loop. It's it, it's efficient and it works great when it's cold and it's relatively dry. Well, I live in Louisiana. The relative humidity is usually about ninety to hundred percent. So the effectiveness to vapor off latent heat. It's not great. Um, so I've, I actually, that's one of the things that I'm doing in this summer shutdown is building in a redundant system with a small plate and frame that has glycol to chill it before it hits the condensers so I can control it down. I control it down. I can have. So you'll be able to take, so it comes off your condenser, goes to the, the cooling tower. It takes it down to what, uh-huh. like 95 or 100? And then it runs through the plate and frame and takes it down to whatever you want, 60. Yeah, Whatever okay. I want. Right. right. Yeah. At, at what general level of humidity is that a good idea for a system like that to be put in place? Above 80. Um, I, I'm not going to argue uh, or I'm not going to pretend that I know everything about cooling towers. I don't. I use them at Beam. I use this small one here. I will say, what are you saying at 80? At, above 80%. You're efficient. You're not. It has nowhere to put that that vaporized yeah. heat, right? Like okay. So, um, I would say that is probably if you live in a really humid place, then you have to. Get, I mean, it's like a, all of a scale too, right? Like how big? How, ma- how much? How, how many BTUs that, do you need to take out of your system to efficiently condense? Right. right? Right, but it's weird because cooling towers don't really cool anything. They just remove heat. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, it, I, if, I don't know. If someone ever looked at a thermodynamic book, they'd know what I meant. No, this. I do. I know. You're, you're absolutely yeah. accurate. It just sounds funny when you say it out loud. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah so I, I think that, you know, we've had a little – I'm, I'm getting used to it because I've never worked in this environment before. 
So we're trying to come up with like, well, what do you do? So when you're slower and you're, you're, you're in silent season or whatever that is for you, Colton, what do you have your people do? Like, I mean, and I've, I've gone around, one of the things we've done is gone around to every distillery in the state. I may have mentioned on this show before, like, I take all the operations people around. I'm like, hey, let's go and see how everyone else is doing it. And when you go around now, if you were to do that, everyone is kind of slow operation too for relatively the same reasons. So what do you do? Well, so, I mean, we do most of our, you know, standard maintenance, like any big piece of maintenance gets done now, which I don't think that our employees appreciate because it's really <laughs> hot in there and now I'm having them take apart heat exchangers and, uh, you know, the bigger pieces of equipment. So they're not actually any cooler, you know, go- going past the safety issue. Um, but honestly, we're, we wouldn't have to shut down cause it's so hot. We shut down or slow down. We don't shut down, but we slow down just cause, you know, with most of our production being whiskey, and most of our, you know, the big season is O and D. The late summer yeah. is not our yeah. busy season, right? Right. No. Like, yeah, we could produce a lot of gin right now, but in terms of whiskey, I needed to produce that a while ago. Well, your your fermentations are they're temperature controlled now. Good. They weren't for a long time, and yeah, that was those right. were some brutal. Okay. Like the only thing I could do then was we did have temperature control on our heat exchanger. So I would start my ferment at like 60 cold. and yeah. then, you know, just hope it finished out before it hit a hundred. Right. Right. And then, and then, you know, the hard part about that was the after effect of, okay, now we have to blend each, you know, blending or, or barrel decant has to be some summer month ferments and some winter month ferments to kind of even it all out. Or now with temperature control, it's it's all fairly similar. So when you're talking about things like heat and impacting different operational elements, what about when you're doing things like blending or bottling? Are there issues you have to take into consideration with temperature there as well? Well, yeah, your bottling liquid will expand in the heat. So if if you're not doing your bottling by weight, you need to be. Right. If you if you're not filling your bottles by weight at the moment, or at least doing like we do a, a bottle check on each filler before every bottling and make sure that you know, whatever the weight is is within the range that it, it's allowable. Um, and if we were just doing it by fill volume, as soon as you took it out of that hot ass bottling room down into the air conditioned liquor store, all of a sudden my bottles look like they're three quarters full. Yep. Obviously what type not of that, filler but, do you have? Uh, we have an what anal master. It's actually the anal master, but uh, obviously everyone calls it the anal master. Obviously. Uh, it's, it's a pneumatic. Um, we actually, um, we had the TTB audit us uh, three or four years ago. And one of the first things they said was, yes, we really love the pneumatic fillers over gravity feed just because of, you know, they have that automatic, um, vacuum fill level so it stays more even you know over a longer period of time 
I, I'm, I'm with you on this, but uh, I didn't think we were going to talk about bottle filling, but this is a good point. Um, I have a volumetric filler that's just a timed pump. So exactly what I just said. So you set to a tenth, but I don't do it that way. So I get the fill volume right, right by mass, and then I scale it within the range, and I draw I, – I have a set a test bottle there, and I'm like – it has to be between these two lines. Yeah. No matter what. Right. And then I do it. And that thing is, is it actually works pretty well. It's, I never have to, like, I make a few adjustments here and there, but then you can just run it. And they're not all perfect, exactly the same, but they're all within that range. So there are ways to do it. So, so do you We're do, do you do that? You make that range, you do it by mass, but then do you have to, how does it affect, how is it affected when it's I mean, not that it ever is, but super cold? What if you were bottling and it was, you know, 35 degrees out? I live in goddamn New Orleans, Louisiana. What if you were bottling it's, and it's 170 it's degrees out? Sure. Okay. <laughs> and it could be above that, right? The Just the expansion of the liquid could fall above that, that top line. Yeah. I have a totally different issue. My issue here is relative humidity. And your, your label's peeling off? Label's peeling. Uh, there's a, one point when I first got here, they used cap straps. <laughs> we have stopped doing that. Um, the other thing is like there's, there's losses, right? There's losses of your, I mean, you know how it works with barrel aging. Well, it can work on a small scale if things aren't hermetically sealed too, um, or a large scale. And containers, right? So where proofs are different when you check them one day from yeah. the next, maybe not. Right. So there are things that you know. There's a learning curve with your elements, and that that goes to where would this would also be applicable is really dry places, right? Yeah, because they'll lose a lot. I think in those sort of just yeah. holding tanks, a dry place is going to lose a whole lot. Yeah, there was one person in like the heart of Texas. And they're like, yeah, we use like five gallon barrels and we put them in a shipping container. Yeah. And I'm like, you fucking hate money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what now Texas, the guys are all using 60 gallon barrels because of yeah. loss and how hot it is. They don't even go with the standard 53. They have to go a little bit more. Yeah. And they, it's rough there. A lot of people in Texas that first got up and running, they would open barrels and they'd almost be empty, like in a crazy amount of time. And that's that's something they all had to adapt to, which is actually good. That's one of our upcoming interviews. Uh, I talked to the Licorice Brothers, though, over there in Iron Root. And they're I fucking love the Licorice to, Brothers. They're badass. So we're going to get them on. That'll be a future interview listener. So we can talk to uh, some of our Texas friends and we can talk to them about evaporation. Enjoy Listen, that. Brian, you're going to have to stop cock teasing. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. This is how it's done. We let them know that there's exciting things coming up. T-shirts and episodes. <laughs> If you want people to find this podcast, they should know that we use High Proof Creative yes. <laughs> to help us get the only way you can find us is through High Proof Creative. God, I really wish we hadn't buried the lead, guys. I feel like we should have been talking about this more often throughout the episode. <laughs> there is no more Google. It is only High Proof Creative search. <laughs> uh, um. 
Uh, a couple other things that I make people do. I'm like, all right, this is a good time. A good time to empty vessels and CIP. Yeah, everything. And my biggest thing is, I'm like, you label lines every three to four feet and around corners. Right. I mean, this is how big your facility is, but it's really helpful to have every line and valve and everything labeled. And then you can reference it and SOPs too. Yeah. Those are the things that I make people do. So actually um, bringing up doing CIPs, that's a really good point is the hotter it gets, the more likely you're going to have contamination and infections growing, especially lines. And, and even, you know, I worry about, <clears throat> we use our, a cold liquor tank with water instead of direct chiller to glycol, just in case there was a leak somewhere, you know, in one of our condensers or something. But if you don't change that water out ever, and if it ever gets too hot, especially in the summertime, you're going to start growing some shit in there. Nice. And that just ruin whatever product you, you might have. Yep. Uh, high proof creative final thoughts. Wait, wait, who are these final thoughts brought to us by? <laughs> high proof creative. Um, SEO caricatures. I don't know you, the bounds of their service. I really, you know, don't. we talk about them enough. We should actually see if they ever want to be a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> we should probably have Karen come on at some point. <laughs> So she can actually represent her company. <laughs> I, I want her on just so she can be like, guys, please never, ever talk about us again. This is, we've told you so many times, please stop. She's going to come on and be like, no, we're, we're just an eBay store that, you know, resells calculators. We have nothing to do with distilling. <laughs> oh, sweet. I'm really in the market for a TI-82. Yeah. <laughs> My iPhone definitely didn't replace that. Uh, awesome. Hey. It did not replace a TI-82. You go fuck yourself. Um, my final thought is, I, it's, I'm going to come up with a question, guys. Because um, I have a real problem with all the varieties of Cheez-It. I just think the original is the, like, the original style of Cheez-It, white cheddar, maybe Tabasco are the best. So what's your favorite Cheez-It? Well, I do. I don't mind when they put the little jalapeno flakes in there. Okay, that's getting a little crazy. Yeah, but like I mean, I'm talking about, like, so I just got one. It was like ridges or something like that. I'm like, what is this? What is what is that flavor? What is the ridge flavor? Yeah. Is is ridge a flavor? I don't think I don't think texture is a flavor. <laughs> but it is. They're different. They're different. The ridge ones and the big ones. And is it like a ruffle all- ruffle version of a cheese? It. I want a yeah, Pringles version like, of a Cheez-It, but like it's a Cheez-It, but not. And there's like heavy <laughs> toast fried cheese Are you basically saying you want a giant Cheez-It? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> they have them though. They have them. No, though. no. I want it like the size of a Texas donut, but like. I think you're, I think you're onto something, Brian. New, new idea for Nabisco. Cheez-It loafs. I don't know what a Texas donut is, <laughs> but I find it very erotic. As you should. Also, best final thoughts ever. Good job, Zeno. <laughs> I've been thinking a lot about it, man. Cheese it game is really off its rocker. Like, don't give me all these varieties. Like, stick to the basics. Uh, like, you have the basic, the white cheddar, the Tabasco sauce one. 
I know. You think we have a hard time in the spirits world with innovation, but cheese it Cheese it. Cheese it. <laughs> the cheese right. it innovation department is on fire. <laughs> uh, I'm going to bed. I love you, dummies. <laughs> All right. All right.